Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin, and we've been married for almost 31 years. We're marriage counselors, and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. I want to be the first to tell you happy anniversary, because our anniversary is in four days. Yes. So happy Early, early anniversary. Well, thank you. Now, do you think you don't have to say it again? Right. Yeah. I'm done. (laughs) I will just make this your ringtone, this recording. So Mm. it's all done. All taken Mm -hmm. care of. All right. So today we're talking about the importance of letting go, which it sounds like I'm going to have to let that go, (laughs) which can be really hard to do, especially in conflict. Yeah, it, it is important to let go. Because, you know, I know we experience this. I mean, we go through conflict, but as I think about the difficulty of really letting something go, I always go back to, remember we had that really crazy season. It was earlier in our marriage Mm -hmm. to where we, we, remember we'd get caught talking about arguing about debating kind of who did more. Mm-hmm. We would, we and would who get, was more tired. Oh uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? I don't even know why. Why did we do that? I know we did that, but I hear it all the time in my office with couples. I think it must be a common conversation of who's more tired, the one who's with kids or the one that's out working full time or the one that's with kids and working full time. <laughs> I don't know. I think it is a common conversation. Or the one who's working full time and then having to maintain his trophy husband, you know, physique and, you know, that, that, that takes a lot of work. What do you, what do you think was underneath all that? Because we did, we used to have that debate and it would, it would take us to a very dark place. Mm -hmm. Like that would get escalated very quickly. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm, I'm sure you felt the same way, but I'd feel so utterly frustrated with you mm-hmm. and so disconnected and like I didn't even want to be around you mm-hmm. after that sort of interaction what what was driving yeah, that yeah i would say for me i felt unseen because I had laid my career down. I was at home with kids, and I loved being at home. But when you would come home and say, oh, I'm so tired, I'd be like, really? So what did you do today? Oh, that's right. You sat in your office all day. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, I wrangled children. We're getting children into this. You've, I'm now escalated. <laughs> now, you know, because you're you're right, and, and it sounds like for you that – you know, maybe the way that I would say that you would just end up feeling very unseen because I know then how you then would typically react, Uh then I would be left feeling unseen as well going, well, I I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not like I'm sitting in my office in a hot tub. Right. And I mean, on the, on the flip side of it, on this side, I can absolutely say that. And I think this is where we kind of landed. Like we're both doing what we need to do in this season. And we're a team and you're going out and going to work while I stay home and take care of our kids. And it it's what we're doing in this season. And so therefore we kind of nixed that conversation and let it go. Well, and, and I think from that, we really learned how to begin to repair mm-hmm. those conversations. We didn't Not know that's what it, it was called. Right. We had no idea. And, and that's really why I'm excited about this episode. Mm. We're, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how do we repair conflict with our spouse. So when we have those crazy conversations like who does more and who's more tired, there is a way to repair that. And we have mm-hmm. learned to do that. Sure. You know, and we're also going to hear a question from one of our listeners. And by the way, thanks for sending these questions in. We love hearing from you and, 
and, and it gives us an opportunity to really to answer what you really want to hear. And this listener, she's asking, how can she and her husband break their unhealthy conflict style? So <laughs> we know a lot about that. Oh, we sure do from both professional and personal experience. And the good news is there is a way out of that cycle. We're also going to listen to a great conversation we had with Jim Burns about the importance of letting go in conflict. And he's an author, a speaker with some great thoughts to share. So let's listen to what he had to say. Well, you talked a lot, too, about now recognizing those differences between you. The both of you, very yeah. different, but you really recognizing the value, yeah. recognizing how that aids and benefits your marriage. Yeah. How long did that take you <laughs> to get? Because yeah. really, I mean, no, right. differences are right. such a part of conflict. Yeah. I mean, a lot yeah. of the conflict. Greg, are you we're still in. waiting for the aha for us? Well, it's more. I'm I'm setting that question up, hoping that you hear the, his answer and will apply that then yeah. to to yeah. me. No, but just yeah, what was that journey like? Yeah, just by having a conversation. I think you know the. You guys and us are exactly like we. I don't. I'm going to keep Kathy away from Aaron because she's going to want to talk. Oh, and then furthermore, um, I think we had to learn to embrace our differences. I wanted Kathy when I got. I was attracted to Kathy for her differences. Mm. You know, she's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I thought that was neat. Mm-hmm. And then we get married, and I have a shallow conversation with everybody at the party, and she has. She's sitting on One the couch. Yeah. Conversation. And she's not deep. even willing to meet everybody. Yeah. And I've talked about what about those Los Angeles Dodgers, and oh, yeah. I've gone through every all that yeah. kind of stuff. And um, and then the people would say to me later, though, I had a life changing conversation with Kathy. And and Kathy, it didn't it never bug Kathy. I just, hey, did you get to meet everybody? And I'm totally passive aggressive. Yeah, and yeah. she's like, No, I just had a great conversation with so and so. Yeah. And it didn't. didn't and now we're her. best friends. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you know they would then say, and you know Kathy helped change my life, whatever. And nobody said, Oh, it was the conversation that you had about LeBron. You know that nobody says that, right? No. Yeah. So what we what I had it, partly more me, but also Kathy. She had to work on this. That we had to just take some of those differences and begin to embrace it. Because if I didn't accept her for who she is, for example, we, we talked about it literally Sunday. So Kathy and I have been married 48 years, and I think we've been to the first song, or the first part of the song at a service, maybe five times at the worship <laughs> service. She's just like, and she, she has blamed kids, she has blamed all this, but now we're empty nesters and she's still Light. Late, yeah. and we were late to the first song. Yeah, and, and forty years later, I, it I might can't be imagine her. who yeah. is the late one in our ah. marriage. <laughs> yeah. But you know what's amazing about it is, I honestly, that's not a that's not a hill I'm going to die on, mm-hmm. and it would have been mm-hmm. at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kathy is a detailed person, and I'm less detailed. She would say responsible or less responsible, but she's not <laughs> sitting here in this fight. Um, and I've had to learn that her in her detail, if she's going to do the banking the way she does it, it's amazing. Mm. Wow. I wouldn't do it that way. But at first, I was like, why are you taking all this time? I mean, one of our big fights early on, first year, she was up in the middle of the night, and she had to work early. She worked at a state hospital. Her background is helping kids with autism and, and worse. You know, So wow. she was doing it there. Hard work. Like yeah. 5.30 in the morning, she had to go to work. Wow. And this is like 12.30 and we were living in a little studio apartment, and I could see everything. I couldn't see the toilet, but you could see every other part of our I – mean, you could see our kitchen, you could see our living room, you could see our bedroom. <laughs> and she's at the kitchen table making noise, going, oh, 
kind of this. And I'm like, what is up? So I, I go, what's wrong? And she goes, I'm balancing the checkbook. Now, some of your younger listeners don't know what a checkbook right, exactly. is, but you're, you can explain <laughs> yeah. it to them later. Yeah, I'm not but, sure I know what it is either. Yeah. <laughs> but she's balancing the checkbook. And so I get up, loving husband, how much are we missing? Because I'm a youth pastor and there's not a lot of money around yeah. there. And she says, $1.31. Oh. <laughs> and now, again, most of the, your detail for your, change. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Your detailed yeah. listeners are going, yeah. what? That's a big deal. What's, yeah, $1.31. Yeah. What do we do? Yeah. And I'm like, round this thing up. So I do what any good loving husband, exactly what you just said, Greg. I go and take a dollar out of my wallet. It might have been the only dollar. I take 31 cents. I slam it on the kitchen oh. table. Oh. Sleeping on the couch that night yeah. for the first yeah. time. Reflecting the on the choices yeah. you made. Yeah. And yeah. she, you know, that just, that. why did I need to do that? You know what? I need to, if she, go for it. If you want to stay up all night for $1.31, we have the greatest balance checkbook ever. In fact, even when we get our taxes done, our tax guy every year goes, you're amazing because you guys do it so well. And he looks at me and yeah. I go, like, I just point to Kathy. Yeah. Yeah. You wow. don't be talking to me. Yeah. You wouldn't be getting this if I was doing it. <laughs> so you know what? It bugged me. And there's still things that kind of, mm-hmm. to be honest, I don't like Kathy being late to church. I'd mm-hmm. like to hear the first song every once in a while. Um, there but is you know usually what? the best one. So. Exactly. I Sorry. Know, I know. Now you're making me feel bad. <laughs> so we'll have a fight uh, next week. But the point that I'm saying is I that's Kathy. And I can either make a big deal out of that and hurt our relationship where I can go, yeah, we're, we're late. How, how great is that? It's so funny. I can stay to the, at the second service. I can hear the first song if I want to. Just how it is. Yeah. So I've learned to kind of let go. What if it's so someone is thinking that's great. I yeah. mean, being late for church, I could probably yeah, over right, right. you know overlook well, and that hearing one. Hearing that you know we gotta over the years learn yeah. who we are and yeah. accept yeah. some of these things. But what if it's a, a you know a big deal sure. like someone's at risk or yeah. you're putting our okay. family at something like so that. So here's a principle, and again, principles are principles. Sometimes they are you know made to be broken, but for me, that principle is <laughs> says the rule breaker. I'm sure. right. Exactly. Does it really matter? <laughs> So if she's late, does it really matter? I mean, it kind of doesn't. Yeah. However, if there's addiction, abuse, adultery, if there's deep pain and things like that, that matters. Mm-hmm. So now we've got to go head to head. So don't hear me saying, oh, just embrace yeah. you know, all that they're accept doing. accept it all. No, no, no. So I, I think, though, that phrase for me has cleaned it out. Because there's even things on with us, and we've had none of the abuse and you know, adultery and addictions, all that kind of stuff. But there are things, and I go... Oh, shoot. I need to face this. So then that means I don't want to do it in the heat of the battle because, again, I've learned over the years that it would just come out in the yeah. heat of the battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's where most couples get it out. Well, at Shut bed, down. At bedtime. Sure. Bed is not for arguing. Bed is for sleeping and doing that other thing that we'll talk about one day. Um, but but truly, <laughs> hey, we can say we have on the <laughs> podcast, sex. Hey, we can gonna, say that. He's going to have the talk with us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's going to mentor us. There, All right. But what what I find is that that's when we set it up. And you go, not in the heat of the battle, but in a moment. You know, there's some things that are on my chest and I want to talk about it. I'd like to throw this out. and I'm. But you still learn how to do it by not saying you, you, you. Because mm-hmm. too much of our conflict language is you do this or you do mm-hmm. that. Yeah, blaming, yeah, focusing mm-hmm. on yeah. our spouse. Yeah, and so I'm not there to fix her anymore. And um, But I am there if there's a conflict that we've got to work through. Well, and I love Jim's last statement, but I'm there if there's a conflict that we need to work through. And I I really think that's such an important part of our relationship within marriage is that, you know, how do you decide if you should confront your spouse 
or really, you know, let, let something go, right? Because honestly, I mean, we're, we're living with two humans and there's probably always something that well, we could be was, fighting about, arguing about, confronting each other. I was laughing inside as you were saying that because I'm like, Felt well, like you could- You were laughing externally, by the way. Okay. Um, early on in our relationship, I thought you had to confront everything. I do and remember that. It, you know, that you can't let anything go because if you don't talk about it, well, it's not going to get better. Just a prelude of the pursuer in me. And now that I understand, like there are things I can absolutely let go that aren't going to destroy the relationship. But there are things that are need to be talked about. Yeah. And, the, and so let's get into that. Mm-hmm. And because I think one of the things that we have learned is, yeah, how do you make that decision on to confront or to let that go? Because for a conflict avoider like me, mm-hmm. it'd be easy to just, I'll let it all go. Oh, but, I know. And then, <laughs> <laughs> remember, you're saying these things out loud. You're not just thinking them. I'm just reminding you of that. The filter is gone yeah, exactly. today. <laughs> but one, one of the things, Aaron, that, that you and I have used is Proverbs 19.11. So let's mm-hmm. talk about that. So it says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. So what it's saying is when I as a conflict avoider let mm-hmm. something go that's glorious that's what i hear in mm. that now here here's what that that verse is really talking about it it's giving us an idea of um when should we be patient mm-hmm. you know when should we give grace or when should we confront and i think that verse is coming down to really talking about discerning between what god expects mm-hmm. and our own desires and expectations, because there's a big difference between when you do something maybe that frustrates me, which is rare, obviously, but when, when something's going on, you know, like we were talking about in the, in the opening, Mm -hmm. you know, even going back to the, who does more, who's more tired conflict that we used to get into. I was laughing, telling you, man, even we were kind of joking around that and being lighthearted, but man, that, that, took me to quickly a a bad place because I remember how painful that was. Mm -hmm. But within that, to the the discerning. So when that verse in Proverbs 19.11 is saying uh, a person's wisdom, that part of that wisdom is discerning. Is your behavior missing God's mark or is it simply missing my mark? Mm -hmm. And that's a huge distinction to make. For sure. And it's also recognizing there's going to be times and and honestly, a lot of times that we have different preferences as far as how we do something or when we do something. And, you know, I used to think that if you didn't want to do something when I wanted to do it, well, then that was a problem. And we were going to have to work through that. And granted, we do have to work through that, but maybe not in such a confrontational way. Um, you know, we got to <laughs> that, that leave is room. my dream for our marriage. Yeah. Not we, in such a confrontational way. We got to leave room for both of us and preferences and so, quirks y- and all right. those things. And I think that's what we're trying to say is that in those moments that you feel that irritation, you're annoyed, you're frustrated. I, I just think it's such a good question to ask ourselves internally mm-hmm. in our mind is this missing God's mark or is this just missing mine? Because mm-hmm. if there's a behavior that really is missing God's mark or if it's harmful to our marriage, mm-hmm. if I believe that, so even if that's not correct, but mm-hmm. if I think that what you're doing is harming our marriage or in violation of you know, God's truth, or mm-hmm. th- then it is something 
that's worth confronting, but to your point, in a way that, you know, works and mm-hmm. it's not combat. It would be more, how do we talk this thing through? Yeah, or is it simply just that, no, this is my own expectation of what right. I think you should be doing or not doing? Right. And it's also good to put it out there that typically within every marriage, there's one that is going to probably want to talk about things more. Which is me in our marriage. Well, right. Oh, wait, what did you say? <laughs> yeah. That doesn't want to talk? Oh, gotcha. Wants to talk. Oh, gotcha. So there's usually a pursuer. The most common stance within a marriage relationship is a pursuer withdrawer set up. And so I am definitely the pursuer and you are definitely more of the withdrawer. But and there can be two that withdraw. And so then nothing gets talked about. But it's just recognizing we both can really work on being in balance. And what does it look like for you to bring things up versus me to simmer it down? Yeah. And that's why just the next time you find yourself frustrated with your spouse, just go right to Proverbs 1911 and think, is this missing God's mark? Is this harmful for a marriage? Or is it just missing my mark? And if it's just missing my mark, it could be something that you give grace around or let go, kind of with that attitude that, hey, we both matter. It's mm-hmm. got to be room for both. So it's not how maybe I would have done it or what I necessarily wanted, but it's okay. But if it definitely is missing God's mark or harming the marriage, be courageous enough mm-hmm. then to mm-hmm. bring that up. You know, if you'd like some more advice, On this topic, uh, we have a great video series called From Anger to Affection. It really helps you to find, you know, ways to view your spouse differently, kind of like Jim was talking about. So check that out. Yeah, and it's totally free. So the link is in the show notes. And if you're able to support us financially, please do that. This show is possible because of listener support. And so we thank you for your generosity. Aaron, we've been talking a lot about, you know, dealing with conflict and mm-hmm. we opened the show talking about just an age old argument that we used to get into around who does more, who's more tired. And that would always take us to such a bad place relationally. And that's why for us, it's been so important to learn how to repair conflicts. Mm-hmm. This statistic is so important, and I always forget it. I'm always like, is it 70%, 80%? But Dr. John Gottman found that 70% of relationship conflict is about perpetual problems. So these are problems that are repeated. They're things like personality differences or lifestyle choices. And it's it's crazy. 70% of the fights that we have are going to happen again. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm always like, is it 70, 80, 90, something like that? I think for <laughs> us, it's higher than 70. <laughs> Ours are 95%. <laughs> well, like that conflict that we used to have mm-hmm. conflict. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a more of a combat conversation around who does more, who's more tired. And for us, for for a long while, that was perpetual. Mm-hmm. There wasn't like a solution. It's not like we could sit down and both of us bring all the things that we do, and then we were going to have a panel. Well, we we tried vote. that, <laughs> and then you're whenever you would get to the end of it, you'd be like, "Fine, I'll stay home and you go to work," and I'd be like, "Well, that's not going to happen." Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and that never helped us get to a better place around that. And we really needed to learn how to repair. Mm -hmm. So Aaron and I have sort of a pet peeve 
we hate the phrase conflict resolution mm-hmm. because it implies that that the goal then within our conflict is to resolve the right. issue, like figure out a solution. How do we fix this? How do we ultimately decide who does more and who's more tired versus, mm-hmm. and this is through Dr. John Gottman's research, what was so helpful for us is that we learned instead of trying to fix it, why don't you try to repair it? Mm-hmm. And repairing means that we really lean in and talk it through in a way to where we're both listening so that we can really validate and empathize mm-hmm. with each other. Well, really, it's managing it because it's not its not going to go away. You know, these can be things like personality differences. You're an introvert. I'm an extrovert. Even this upcoming weekend, talking about, you know, how many nights are we going to see other people? Zero. Yeah. Didn't no. we decide on no. zero? Two of the four nights. And, <laughs> and I you, wanted three of the four. You've been negotiating for a third out of the four. <laughs> I was pulling for it, and I'm like, fine, I'll go alone. <laughs> okay, how about, and I actually thought about this this morning when I woke up, because we had this conversation late last night. And so I was going to tell you, and I forgot, but you reminded me of it, that, okay, as a way to sacrifice and love you, I am willing to pick up that third and have that, that <laughs> barbecue with your friends. Well, so all I wanted I, I was the chicken and ribs. <laughs> By it the sounded way, so good. And, and you know that is our anniversary night, just so that you're aware No, of our anniversary is the next night, oh, Tuesday. I tried to confuse her. Remember, and you were going to be out of town. so. <laughs> all right. But I so will, it's all coming around. I will give you that. Oh, so, I'll send them a text here in so, just a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so Aaron is now checked out. So let me run through. Here, here. I just am thinking of chicken and ribs. (laughs) I know. That's what sold me on it, by the way. I just didn't want to admit it. So let's talk real quick, practically, how do we repair a conflict? I think first and foremost that we, that as individuals, we just got to move to that place of humility. You know, there's got to be a moment that I decide that I could be wrong or maybe I misunderstood you or something else was going on, maybe driving it. So if we posture with sort of that humble heart, what it does is mm-hmm. it starts to get our heart back open so mm-hmm. that we can actually then have a conversation. Yeah, and then it's just coming back and establishing a dialogue between the two of you. And, you know, you think of James one nineteen, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And so really in that dialogue, being a good listener and leaning in and trying to really understand what has gone on here, yeah. both for you and for me. And being willing to step in and lean in and realize I may not have a solution here, something that doesn't need to be fixed. Again, we're just managing our differences and figuring out how do we navigate this in a different way. Yeah. And for me, it's always been so good to sort of within those conversations to know what the goal is. So if you also need to know what is the goal, the goal is to care. Mm -hmm. It's not to fix. It's just to care. So when we would have those awful conversations around who does more, who's Mm -hmm. more tired, it would have been great to be able to come back around, you know, after we kind of simmer down and kind of got our hearts back open and just to ask you, Hey, as we have that kind of a discussion, how does that make you feel mm-hmm. like you, you end up feeling what? Mm-hmm. Unseen. Okay. Um, devalued so many things, but there's something so powerful about you just caring mm-hmm. about how I feel. And I'm thinking of a couple I was sitting with earlier this week, and um, I see the gal individually. And so her husband came in to join us. 
And he was like, well, I can't fix what she's talking about. And I'm like, you know what? The goal isn't to fix it. The goal is just to care about how she feels. And he's like, I don't even know what that means. And I'm like, oh, I can teach you. Well, like you said, I mean, if to ask you, hey, when when we start arguing about who does more, Mm -hmm. who's more tired, it sounds like if I'm hearing you right, Mm -hmm. you end up feeling very unseen, kind of invisible. Yeah, devalued. And devalued Mm -hmm. for for all of the contributions that you're making. Mm -hmm. That discussion kind of took you to a place where you just didn't feel valued Mm -hmm. by me or seen by me. Yes. And and that that's right the essence of caring. It's I I don't have to debate how you feel. I don't have to change. Well, and you don't have to agree with how yeah. I feel. You don't have to feel the same way because more than likely you're not going to feel the same way or probably even see it the same way and that's okay. And I think that's where we get hooked that you know, if I can't or if I don't see it the same way, then I can't lean in and care about how you feel. Right. And meet you there. And, you know, there's not a solution here. It's just being able to lean in and just simply let the other person know, like, that matters to me. I care that you feel unseen or unheard or invisible, devalued, whatever. What did you feel in those in those conversations as you think back? Yeah, honestly, I think it's really the same thing. It was that it felt like you weren't noticing then all of what I was doing different. Mm -hmm. You know, what I was doing was different than you were, but it, it it still was a lot and and it would still Mm -hmm. lead me to feeling tired. Although, you know, in a different way Mm -hmm. and you felt tired, I felt tired. And that's what was always confusing when, why can't we both just be tired? Why is is it a competition? Where we finally landed is we're both tired in this season, little kids working full time you know, I'm at home full time. It was it was an exhausting yeah. season. But if we if we really try to apply Ephesians four thirty two, I love this verse for our marriage. Be kind and compassionate to mm-hmm. one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. So really leaning in to listen is kind. Mm-hmm. It's it's seeking to understand that that's kindness. That that's mm-hmm. compassionate when. I allow then your words of I felt invisible or felt devalued to matter. Mm -hmm. And being compassionate around that stuff makes such a big difference. Such a huge difference. And one of the greatest things we can say in those moments when our spouse is risking to share how they're feeling, because that's that private inner stuff. And so it's an honor when someone shares that with us. One of the greatest things we can say is, thank you so much for sharing. I'm so thankful you're telling me. That's what's going on inside of you. Yeah, and what a gift we didn't give each other. Nothing's solved, Mm -hmm. but we experience that compassion Mm -hmm. and that kindness from one another. And that's what reconnects us. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, now we're going to move to our weekly Q&A. And this is the part of the show that we answer your burning questions about marriage. Please send us your questions. We love getting your questions. This is how we can best connect with you. Go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. And if your question gets answered on the show, we will send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance at no charge as our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Today's question comes from Jessica. Let's listen to the voicemail that she sent in. Hi, I just listened to today's podcast about spiritual warfare in your marriage. And 
it makes a lot of sense because I feel like that's exactly what my husband and I have been battling. How do you break the cycle? I feel like we know that we're not finding each other, but in the heat of the moment, we can't seem to stop. One of us keeps going. How do we break that cycle so that the other person doesn't feel like shut down, but also gives the other person time to process and come back because I think a lot of times we will shut it down because we're angry, but we never come back to it. So then it just blows up again the next time. Jessica, I love your question because really what you're acknowledging is that we have spiritual warfare within our marriage and that's going to show up as poorly handled conflict. And we all do what you're describing. Mm -hmm. And for Aaron and I, probably one of the best things that we've learned is, you know, we talked earlier about how to repair conflict. So let's even step back, you know, a few steps and, and talk about what, what, what's actually going on, mm-hmm. like what's driving conflict. And it's really something that we call the reactive cycle. Yes. And the reactive cycle is something that most couples don't know is driving their conflict. But as they learn about it, like the, the veil comes up because yeah. th- this is it. This is what the enemy uses to cause disunity and division um, within a marriage. And really what it is, we all have these tender spots. They're deeper sensitized emotions that, the buttons that get triggered. Yeah, we yeah. don't like it when they get triggered because there's painful memories that are tied to it. Either it was what was said to us, what was done to us or how we internalized it. They say between the ages of four and six years old, these buttons start getting formed, which you think about, that's crazy. Four to six years old, and we're already beginning to wonder what is true about us. So in essence, these tender spots, these buttons become lies written on our hearts. So when we get triggered or when we feel that emotion, we don't like it because they're lies. And those buttons, so it it, it sounds like, so these lies sound like I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. I don't measure up. I'm a failure. No Mm -hmm. one will ever love me. I'm devalued. I'm unimportant. I'm it's, invisible. Yeah, it's those kinds of emotions. Yeah. And so we walk these right into our marriage. And I know a lot of people will try to convince me that, no, no, I never felt this before <laughs> I married him. And, you know, I kind of go, okay, so this is what the research says. Maybe maybe that's true for you. I doubt it. But usually we walk them right we into our marriage. Th- this side of heaven. Yes. With the spiritual warfare, of course, we're going to have these lies on our heart, these buttons. That yeah. And get the enemy triggered. loves to, to push them and to whisper to us, see, you're a disappointment. Once again, he's not happy with you. He's never going to be happy with you. And a matter of fact, you shouldn't be feeling what you're feeling. It's You're always going to feel it. And so it's just that, that inner dialogue that's coming from the enemy and it's recognizing and calling it out for what it is because when those buttons get pushed our heart closes not thinking clearly any longer and then we do something to try to stop that feeling so we react and typically what we're doing is we're either fighting flighting or we're freezing and we're doing a behavior to try to get our spouse to change so we feel better so fighters may argue, mm-hmm. debate, maybe get angry, rage. Mm-hmm. Flighters, you know, are probably withdrawing, shutting down, Isolating. moving away. Yeah, and you just might freeze mm-hmm. up as well. Mm-hmm. And so, Jessica, what we're trying to say is that there's a well-worn pattern mm-hmm. in every single marriage. Understand your buttons get pushed. You then react. Then your husband's going to get his buttons pushed. Correct. He's going to react. And it's just, it creates kind of just this cycle. 
and we spin around. And so Aaron and I have learned the best way to understand the the impact is that this shuts our heart down. And when our hearts are shut down, we're we're no longer safe. Then we're going to say and do things we're going to regret, which yes. is why we believe the most important place to begin to break out of this is actually not to try to force a conversation with mm-hmm. our spouse, try to power through, you know, try to change them. You know, I spent so many years trying to get Aaron, well, if you just would do this different or say this different or be more calm when you're saying oh, it or I nicer. Oh, I remember. Yeah. It stirs all kinds of stuff up inside of me hearing you say I that. I know, but that was me trying to change you mm-hmm. so that I would feel better. Correct. Well, that, that doesn't work. So yeah. all we're saying, Jessica, is in those moments, if you take a moment, step back, maybe even literally call a timeout. Mm-hmm. And and really turn to the Lord to figure out what's going on for me. What button got pushed? Oh, I'm feeling devalued. I'm feeling invisible. I'm feeling failed. Whatever that is, that's then you take that to the Lord. Allow Mm -hmm. him to care. You can care about that emotion. And that, right, Aaron, uh, that helps you to de-escalate and get your heart back open. Yes, and one of the greatest questions you you can begin reflecting on is what is true about me? Am I devalued? Am I invisible? Am I a disappointment? And the good news is, as believers, we have the source of truth. So we can go directly to the Lord and ask him, what is true about me? How do you see me? But then we could even ask him, what do you... What's true about my spouse is, you know, is this who he really is, how he's showing up as his closed hearted, reactive self? Is that really who he is? And Jessica, the good news is, is in the crazy little thing called marriage, we have a whole chapter on dealing with the reactive cycle and how do we manage conflict better? How do we repair conflict? And, and again, as our way of just saying thank you for your question. We're going to send you a copy of that. Yeah. Book. So you're going to have that information, Jessica. So thank you so much for your question and be on the lookout for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and if you have a question, contact us, go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com, click the button on the side of our show page and leave us a voicemail just like Jessica did. Thank you for joining us today for a crazy little thing called marriage. We had a great conversation about letting things go, um, the cycle, that crazy cycle, and then as well as coming back and repairing conflict. And so we hope that this will help you strengthen your marriage. And be sure to like, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We want you to have a seat at the table every week as we help to equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong, satisfying marriage. And we also want to help you grow spiritually, both as individuals and together, so that you can turn around and invest in another couple to help them build a thriving marriage. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. 
Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.